This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host. Apologies that we are a, a couple days late here with this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool, but it was a uh, it was an incredibly busy week uh, with uh, NRA News and all of the uh, uh, renewed efforts to pass anti-gun legislation last week, and then it was a busy week uh, at home as well. So uh, it was just one of those things where didn't get uh, everything done. But we are here with you now, and we're going to have another uh, episode before the Independence Day holiday. So we'll we'll stay on schedule. We're just a couple of days behind, um, much like we've been with the garden. All year long, as a matter of fact, although I am happy, actually, I'm really thrilled to announce that uh, our garden will not be a complete and total bust this year because we have picked two cucumbers. Huzzah! Just two right now, but there are more flowers. The beans are doing okay. Uh, everything right now, everything that we've planted is doing okay. The peppers actually are all in the ground now and they're doing great. I don't think we lost a single plant. Uh, tomatoes are going in. Yeah, I know. I know. Tomatoes are going in this week, but they're, they, they've been moved. They've been transplanted into bigger pots. They're all doing well. They're just not in the ground yet. We actually are getting some flowers, uh, on our tomatoes. So they'll be going into the actual ground itself this week. Um, carrots are doing all right. Uh, probably need to plant some more cause it's kind of spotty coverage. Really the only thing that didn't do well in the early planting, uh, were the beets and they did okay. It's just that the rabbits did even better. And so the, uh, the, our, our rabbits have been on a, a very beet heavy diet, I think lately. Now I say our rabbits, we're not raising these rabbits. These rabbits are just around, uh, there are a lot of rabbits around. Haven't seen any predators lately. We've still got the chickens uh, in their coop, in their run, and uh, in their chicken tunnel, their their channel. Uh, so they're all happy. Although, I will say this, uh, Sunday night, uh, we're outside. We've got the fire going, and we're uh, making some s'mores. And I asked my youngest daughter, will you go shut up the chickens, please? And, uh, and she's walking our, our big dog bullet and uh she goes down to the chickens and all of a sudden we hear her just start exclaiming loudly can't quite make out what it is that she's saying but i'm thinking okay there's a fox there's a snake there's there's something so run down to the coop and uh no predators but one of the chickens had actually managed to get up on top of the coop and then uh, got startled and kind of flew down and and, and flew into the netting uh, that we have uh, covering up the, the the top of the run area. And so there was this chicken that was just sort of suspended in midair that we had to get off of the netting and then back into the coop. And uh, and so we've got we've got a little bit of work to do in the uh, in the run area for the chickens. Well, we we have chicken wire 
uh, on all four sides. And then we've got the, the chicken tunnel that kind of juts out on one of the, uh, the, the chicken wire walls uh, of the run. But up top, we had just covered it up with uh, netting, the same netting that we used to cover our blueberry bushes to keep the birds out. And it's worked fine. It's just that there are some gaps now apparently developing uh, in the uh, in the coverage area of this netting. And so one of these chickens, I I thought chickens were pretty stupid, to be really honest with you. Uh, one of these chickens apparently was smart enough to figure out, okay, if I just launch myself up at this angle, perfect. And I would have loved to have seen her done uh, do it. Uh, but But she managed to get up there on top of the coop, managed to find a little... Uh, a spot in the netting where she could get up and then missed that spot on the way down, apparently. So we do have a little bit of work to do around the coop, but the chickens are all healthy. They're all okay. We got five eggs last night. We're getting about five eggs a day. Uh, Goats are still doing great. They are uh, loving life and eating all kinds of yummy little trees and grass. We're getting ready to move them into some new pasture this week. Also have to move the pigs, the uh, the two girls that we still have. We have to move them into some fresh pasture this week as well. Uh, that'll probably be, there'll be a lot of evening work and that's, that's good. It's nice now that it doesn't get dark until about nine o'clock or so. So uh, after work, we can uh, do a lot of the Uh, the things that we need to do around the house. And if you've been following me on Instagram at Cam Edwards or on Twitter at Cam Edwards, you know that this weekend we got yet another new addition to the farm and to the family. We got a puppy. Yeah, how about that? I, uh, I was kind of on the fence, to be honest with you, about getting a puppy. I'm. We have two dogs right now. And I'm not really, I wasn't really sold on the idea that we needed a third dog. But uh, Miss E, who uh, will not be joining us uh, for this episode, but she will be with us on the, uh, uh, the, the second episode this week, the next episode. Miss E did convince me by showing me pictures of these adorable little puppies. And so uh, Sunday, we uh, drove down from Farmville to Blackstone, Virginia, and a, a family that was uh, selling several puppies. Uh, the 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 dog itself um, is a mutt. I'm sure that there's some designer name for this, like a Mare Lab or a Lab Emma. But no, he's a mutt. He's his dad was a Lab. Uh, Mom was three quarters Marima, quarter Great Pyrenees. So hopefully he's not going to be as big as Bullet. Uh, who's topping out now. He's, he's at least, I think the last time he was at the vet, Bullet was 120 pounds, and he's still getting bigger. So he's not going to be bullet-sized. He's not going to have, I don't think he's going to have that thick uh, double coat that uh, Bullet, our, our great Pyrenees, Bernie's Mountain Dog mix, uh, has. He was the, so we, we went out there, and they, they had like five or six puppies uh, left, and yeah, we almost walked out with two. But mm, nope, we didn't. We, uh, we restrained ourselves. Uh, I picked a, a very calm, very sweet uh, little puppy. We are calling him Booker for the moment. I, I say for the moment. We, I've been, we've been kind of going back and forth as to what the, the name of the dog should be. And we've got some uh, dog, dog suggestion emails uh, that we'll be getting to uh, later in the show. But uh, I, I think it's Booker. Peanut was making a a late run in terms of popularity. 
uh, as was Duke. But I think we're going to go with Booker A. Uh, we continue the bourbon theme. We have Bullet. Uh, so now we've got Booker. Uh, it's also, I, I like books. So uh, there's, there's, there's that sort of nod to the, uh, the love of reading. Uh, and then, you know, you got Booker T and the MGs. I know you have Cory Booker, senator from New Jersey. Nah, 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 nah. I'm not naming my dog after Cory Booker. Uh, Booker T and the MGs, on the other hand, yeah. Maybe we'll get another. Maybe if we do get another dog, we'll we'll call him Duck for uh, Donald or Cropper for uh, Steve Cropper. How about that? All right, we're going to take a, a quick timeout here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. We have more from the 40 Acres to talk about on this week's edition. We also have news from you. And the email address, as always, if you want to share what's going on in your world, we'd love to hear from you. It is 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. Stick around because we do have a lot more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Thanks again for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host. Hope that you are officially now having a good summer now that we have moved into the summer months. So it was a, I said last week was a crazy week for me, which is one of the reasons why the the podcast was a little delayed. One of the things that I had to do I had jury duty uh, last week for the first time since, well, I this I think that might actually be the first time I've ever been called for jury duty. Uh, there might have been one time in Oklahoma City when I was called. I don't, but I don't think so. I think this is the first time. So uh, I had jury duty last week, uh, got to the courthouse bright and early, uh, was there in plenty of time. You go in, you sit down, uh, you make small talk with the other folks in the jury pool, the uh, the court clerk comes in and says, "Okay, chances are nothing's going to happen. This is probably going to be uh, uh, plea bargained out, and you'll be free to go. But uh, until we know for sure, uh, you got to stay here. And if if your case is similar to my case, then a few minutes more go by, and then you get called into the courtroom, uh, and then you get taken out of the courtroom again because there's a hearing uh, that you can't listen to." And then you get shuffled back into the courtroom, and then you're told, okay, you're free to go. Uh, in this case, there was not a plea bargain. There was a continuance, and so uh, so we were done. That was my jury duty experience. I, I do have to go back uh, later in the year for another round of jury duty. I don't know how common that is in uh, big metropolitan areas, but I think in uh, smaller communities around the country uh, you, where you don't have uh, court every single day, maybe you do get called more than once. So I'll be going back for, for jury duty again next month. And I was, uh, you know, I, I didn't mind going. Obviously, it was a crazy week in terms of uh, my day job. And I was a little worried about having to miss some of my day job. But, 
At the same time, you know, we obviously cover on NRA News Cam and Company every day uh, stories from the criminal justice system. We have a segment called The Deal of the Day where we are talking about uh, individuals who got sweetheart deal after sweetheart deal, and now they are accused of or have been convicted of uh, very serious crimes. And often these are individuals who should have been behind bars. If they had not gotten their sweetheart deals, they would have been. Or uh, even if they did get, let's say, a what we would think on paper would be a pretty stiff sentence, let's say a 10-year sentence. A 10-year sentence does not turn out to be a 10-year sentence. A 10-year sentence can be a 5-year sentence. A 10-year sentence can be a 4-year sentence or even a 3-year sentence. Uh, And so you've got individuals who are sentenced to a lot of time, but they don't actually do a lot of time behind bars. So, I, uh, you know, given that we talk about the criminal justice system, uh, I was absolutely not adverse to uh, being a, a quote-unquote, justice-involved individual, uh, not in the criminal sense of the word, but in the juror sense of the word, to get an up-close, uh, first-hand look at uh, what a typical trial uh, is going to be like. So I might get that opportunity uh, next month. If, if you have any uh, jury duty stories, too, by the way, I'd, I'd love to hear them. Uh, like I said, this was I, I've been to longer uh, dentists visits than than this jury duty. I have to say it was it was easy peasy in and out. But uh, I, I, I didn't really feel like we were a part of the uh, criminal justice system. A couple of days after uh, jury duty, I ran into a law enforcement officer uh, while I was out at dinner and uh, we were talking and I, I wanted to ask him about the case, but I, I I don't know if he's if he can tell me anything about the case. And he actually was um, asking me questions. <laughs> so I didn't even really get a chance to ask about like, well, so what's going on with this case? Because he wanted to know what's going on in D.C. What's going on with uh, gun control? What 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 are they going to do? What are they going to try to do? Um, here is a again a law enforcement officer. He spent his uh, career in law enforcement, and uh, he has no interest whatsoever in uh, banning any firearms. He has no interest uh, whatsoever in uh, quote unquote universal background checks and trying to enforce those laws. And I, I was curious because I didn't know where he would fall on the uh, the, the quote unquote no fly no buy bill. Uh, you know, the legislation that says if you're on the no-fly list, then you can't buy a gun. Uh, he's opposed to that as well. And again, for the same reasons that you hear not just gun owners uh, and NRA members opposed to this, but uh, ACLU members, uh, members of CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations. Uh, there are concerns across the political spectrum uh, about that legislation from a civil liberties standpoint and I was pleased that uh, my friend in law enforcement uh, echoed those same concerns because we certainly haven't seen the media uh, echo those concerns. Now, you will see, I, I, you know, I, I, I take that back, actually, because there have been members of the media who have talked about this and who have talked about their objections, uh, but they're ignored. They're ignored by their fellow, uh, quote unquote, progressives. You had Kevin Drum of Mother Jones Magazine write a, a column, very, you know, sort of clickbait for the left, uh, said, uh, you know, gee, thanks, Democrats. You've now got me to stand with the NRA for the first time in my life. And it was like crickets on the left. 
nobody wanted to talk about the objections that Kevin Drum had raised. I did a Google News search last week uh, while the uh, House Democrats were uh, calling for uh, gun control votes. And the phrase NRA, no fly, returned something like 114,000 results. The phrase ACLU, no fly, returned like 11,000 results. There was a 10 to 1 difference in the number of news stories that, uh, that, that talked about the NRA's objection to this legislation uh, compared to the ACLU's objection to this legislation. And I thought that was really astounding. Um, the good news is that I think there are more Americans who are not simply relying on uh, network news or even cable news to get their their information. The bad news is that there is so much misinformation out there. There is there is such a strong push for a narrative, and it's coming not just from cable news or network news. It's coming online. It's coming from celebrities, uh, people who may not even pay much attention to news at all, but they're following their latest celebrity on Instagram uh, are getting a lot of bad information. And I am worried about that effect. I'll be honest with you. I really am. But I, I also have to point out that I haven't seen anybody. I've not talked with anybody. Maybe maybe they're just not coming to me. Maybe they're just not, you know, they think, ah, he's, he's a lost cause. But I've not had anybody come to me and say, you know what? I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind. I used to feel this way. Now I feel this way. I, I used to be very pro-gun. I used to be pro-Second Amendment. But you know what, man? We need some gun control laws. I've not heard that. Now, I have, over the past few days, uh, noticed uh, something different taking place. So uh, there's a gas station slash uh, uh, barbecue stand slash uh, gun store uh, outside of Farmville. It's a great spot. And uh, they hold concealed carry courses. And they've been full. I was talking to uh, the owners last week. I said, you gonna, are, are you all going to be running a, another course here soon? They said, well, probably not until the fall uh, because where they do it, it's not uh, air conditioned. It's not uh, heated. It's sort of a back room. I mean, it's very, very basic, but they do it because there's demand. Uh, but they said it just gets so hot back there that we're going to have to wait until the fall. But the demand hasn't died down. Uh, then I was uh, in Midlothian. Actually, it was in Powhatan. Uh, Virginia, uh, on my way to uh, Midlothian over the weekend, a uh, Richmond suburb. Uh, Powhatan, by the way, is the town and the community in Virginia that uh, beat back Bloomberg in our latest uh, state elections, which was 2015. Last year, Bloomberg wanted to flip the Virginia uh, legislature, he specifically the Senate, wanted to turn the Senate uh, anti-gun, and he spent millions of dollars on a couple of races in Virginia, one of them was in Powhatan, or one of them, uh, Powhatan was part of the district, the Senate district. And it was the turnout by pro-gun uh, individuals in Powhatan that uh, allowed that seat to stay uh, pro-gun and pro-Second Amendment. So I was in Powhatan. There's a great donut shop in uh, Powhatan. It's called the Sweet Shop Donuts Cafe. It is... Their donuts are so good. Uh, I, every, I'm, not, I'm not in Powhatan all that often, but every time I drive through, I have to stop. 
I have to stop. So this was like 5.30 on a Saturday afternoon. The donuts had been sitting there all day. I didn't care. They were still good. I, I still brought home a dozen for the uh, family. They have this maple bacon blueberry donut. Oh, blueberry donut with like a maple glaze and then crumbled bacon bits. Anyway, I digress. The important part of this story is not how wonderful the donuts are there at uh, at the shop. Um the cool thing was that they were holding a concealed carry class at the Sweet Shop Donuts Cafe. They're in Paladin. They're holding a concealed carry course. It was held a couple of weeks ago. Again, apparently very well attended. Um, so locally, what what I'm seeing, I haven't seen anybody turning their guns. I haven't seen anybody. I've heard no stories of people, you know, uh, calling the Richmond Police Department or calling the uh, town of Farmville saying, hey, you know what? I, I, I want to I want to turn over my guns. I've had a change of heart here. No. What I'm seeing again are Americans saying, hey, you know what? I want to be able to protect myself. I want to be able to defend myself. Uh, one of the other stories that we've been covering at NRA News, Cam and Company, you can listen live 2 to 5 Eastern uh, weekdays on nranews.com and then on demand all the time at uh, iHeartRadio or on uh, iTunes. Uh, we also are now on Apple TV, uh, Google Chromecast, and and more. Uh, Roku, we've got a uh, NRA News Roku channel. We've been talking with a guy down uh, in uh, Harris County, Texas. Uh, it's not in Houston proper, but it's it's outside of Houston. Uh, Shiloh shooting. And uh, right after the attack in Orlando, uh, the owner there at Shiloh shooting was talking with one of the, the regulars who's a, a gay guy. And they were talking about, well, maybe we should offer a, a, a concealed carry course free uh, to anybody in the LGBT community who wants to, to take it. Can you uh, see if you have any you know friends who'd be interested? That's sort of how it started. And then one of the um, news stations in Houston was contacted and said, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll go out and do a story on this. I mean, again, they, they love stories like this. So they, they went out and they did a story. It aired, I think, on the 5 o'clock news. So it wasn't even the 10 o'clock news. Uh, we talked to Sean from Shiloh shooting the uh, two days later. So it had been less than a little bit less than 48 hours. They had filled. He said they were they were hoping to fill up two classes. They had filled up eight when we talked to them uh, and they were working on the ninth and they filled up the ninth that that same day. We uh, we, we talked to him a few days later and they can't even keep track. Now, of, of how many people have called in, have emailed, uh, wanting more information, can I sign up? And they are committed to doing this. Uh, for anybody who wants it, they are committed. They've already started holding the, the classes. And the response has been amazing. So this is something else that I'm curious. If you will send me an email, let me know what's going on, where you are. What are you seeing? Are you seeing a change in attitudes? Are you seeing people say, you know what? I used to be a Second Amendment supporter, but no more, man. I, I We got to give up our rights. This is ridiculous. Have you seen people say, yeah, due process, due schmashes. Let's get rid of the Bill of Rights. It's, it's, it's old. It's outdated. It's problematic. It's not. It's hurting. It's not helping us. Have you heard anybody say that? Have you heard anybody uh, change their mind based on the full court press that we have seen from media, entertainment, and politics uh, launched against 
again, not just our right to keep and bear arms, but as we've seen, uh, the right of due process as well, and really the Bill of Rights, I think, uh, more generally. Have you seen any evidence? Do you know anybody who has been swayed uh, and has changed their position based on that full court press? I would love to hear from you. The email address again, 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. And if the answer is no, I I would love to hear that too. But I'd also, uh, have you noticed, in that case, have you noticed things like what I just mentioned? Uh, Concealed carry courses popping up uh, in your community. Uh, An increased interest in things like self-defense. I would love to hear what's going on uh, as far as the uh, the, the, the minds of your neighbors uh, and your coworkers and the people in your community. I'd love to hear uh, how this uh, rekindled argument is, is playing out outside of the beltway. And frankly, I don't think, again, we can expect the media or politicians or uh, the entertainment world to, to really uh, tell us, unless, of course, they're talking about what's going on in in Hollywood or Midtown Manhattan. Those are the only two locations outside of the Beltway that they seem to be concerned about. All right, we're going to step away for just a moment or two. When we return, we've got some of your emails to get to. The email address again, 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. Stick around. We will be back with more right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater. Glenn Reynolds had a great article the other day. The headline was, Why the President Needs to be White, Male, and Republican. You hear the headline, you're like, oh my gosh, we need a white guy to be our president? His point is, the media hasn't done their job for seven years. So it's going to take someone they hate for them to remember how to do their jobs. So what's it going to take to get the media to do their job? A white, male, Republican. Because the last seven years, with their savior and darling in the White House, they've totally turned the other way. Mike Slater. Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Plays Radio Network. Welcome back here on 40 Acres and a Fool for the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host, and Arturo wrote in, says, Cam and Missy, if you get a dog, name him Mosin. And if you get a female, name her Zelda. Arturo says, I'm glad to hear that you're thinking of adding to your pack. The wife and I recently had to say goodbye to our first and oldest dog, Kira. We lost our second dog, Diamond, two years ago. It's now just us and Rosie, who had been our third. It feels strange just having one dog now. I know your puppy will have a great life there in your 40 acres. Well, Arturo, I am awfully sorry to hear about that. Uh, Losing a dog is, it is rough. Uh, It is, you know, look, dogs are, are, are dogs. I'm not one. Uh, who calls dogs fur babies or, uh, you know, treats them just like their uh, kids. But they are something special, right? I mean, they, they're, they're not the, uh, the chicken that you eat for dinner. They are not, um, you know, the, the mosquito that you, that you slap uh, as it's, you know, on your arm or whatever. They're, they're, they're unique, uh, these these pets are our companions, and when we lose them, when they die, it is it's like losing your best friend, right? So I am really sorry to hear about that, and I hope that you're going to be adding to your pack too 
soon, Arturo. I know that it's uh, it's it's not something that you know happens right away. But uh, like I said, I, I I hope that you're adding to your pack too, and my best to you and and your wife, uh, and Rosie as well. So I think, like I said, I think we've decided on Booker as the name for the uh, the new puppy. Uh, Peanut was up there. Duke was up there. I was trying to go with some sort of. Uh, I, I really like, you know, historic references. So if we uh, if we had gotten a female, I think we were going to call her Lucy after a Claire Booth Luce. Uh, maybe the next time we uh, we get a dog. And now that we're up to three, uh, like I said, who knows before it'll be four or five. Oh, hopefully we don't get to five. Five would be way, way too many dogs. Uh, also, uh, checking in via email this week at 40acrefool at gmail.com. Uh, Robin says, I regret that I haven't written, but June seems to have just been a nuts month for me this year. Uh, Robin says, it seems though you have been discovered uh, again. So no worries about being a lonely radio voice in the wilderness. Well, that that's good, Robin. And I hope that uh, July maybe is a little bit calmer for you. Um, unfortunately, Robin, who works in the uh, Shenandoah uh, area, um, just lost her job at the, uh, the local cable channel. Robin says, I'm 59, female with shocking white hair. White hair doesn't grab hair dye. My chances on the job market are not looking good. I already have sent out a dozen resumes with crickets as the response. I have more tools in my pocket than most. I have an RN license, but with a 19-year break in my practice, no one is terribly interested, even with the shortage. I'm looking at the local community college workforce solutions and will hopefully train for a job that I can work at on my little farm. Uh, does Miss E have any suggestions here? Uh, Robin says, of course, I dream of the NRA, but I know my chances there are not good. I just want to help fight back because, like Charlton Heston, it's a cold, dead hand thing. I may be wrong, but... I think if the left is able to grab the guns, it would trigger a civil war. Well, you certainly have a lot of folks on the left, Robin, who uh, who don't seem to care much about uh, what the outcome would be. They they want the repeal of the Second Amendment, and they want it now. Uh, we've seen that, obviously, in a lot of a commentary over the past week. Um, as far as you know, jobs that you can work on at, at your little farm, Miss E's not with us this week, but... You know, telecommuting, Robin, it, it seemed like 10 years ago, telecommuting had had so much promise. And there was, uh, you know, uh, stories written every day about how uh, the workforce was becoming more telecommuter friendly. And and I think that that has kind of stopped. Um, we we now have, you know, the, the quote unquote gig economy. Uh, where you've got a lot of freelancers, you've got uh, people who are, you know, not necessarily going to an office every day, uh, and they are able to work from home, but they're they're also not necessarily steady jobs with a steady paycheck. So one of the things that I would uh, think about, Robin, is any sort of, and I don't I don't know that there's telecommuting that can do this, but with your background as an RN. If there are any sort of uh, transcriptionist jobs available in the medical field, um, transcribing, you know, medical records, uh, that might be something that you could do from home. Um, I would also suggest the website Flex Jobs. Robin is a site that is uh, pretty much devoted to telecommuting, uh, and I don't know how close you are to. St- uh, the Stanton area, but uh, if you know if you're looking for uh, like farm related jobs, um, you might check at Polyface Farms. 
Uh, see if you can talk with Joel Salatin or, uh, uh, you know, somebody there at Polyface uh, and see if, you know, because they, they have a lot of farm turns, um, but they might be able to point you in the direction of a, a farm in the Shenandoah area who, uh, who might be looking for somebody. Um, Robin says the farm's okay now that we're getting rain again. Today I'm trying to save a cheaply built rabbit hutch. My garden is surviving despite my lack of attention, and my cardboard mulch project hasn't worked out for many reasons. Robin says it breaks my heart that I might lose what I've worked my entire life for, but come hell or high water, I will do everything I possibly can to keep it. I'm so glad she says that you are continuing the podcast, but I can see how doing three hours of radio a day, Monday through Friday, working on the farm and Driving back to Fairfax can uh, be a strain. It makes me feel like I'm not so crazy after all, since there are others with the dream. Uh, Robin, listen, thank you again for for writing. And you are not the only one with that crazy dream out there. And I will uh, be keeping my eyes open and my ears alert to uh, to any opportunities there in the Shenandoah Valley. And I will be keeping you all in my thoughts and my prayers because I am... uh, because I don't want to see you lose what you've worked so hard to build. And, and I'll, I'll put it out there uh, as well. I know we've got folks listening from around the country. If we have any other folks listening in the Shenandoah Valley area, uh, you know of anything, you know of any job openings, send me an email. I'll make sure that Robin uh, gets that information. The email address, again, 40acrefool, 40acrefool at gmail.com. And, uh, Robin, I'll, I'll be in touch as well. Thank you for uh, writing in. And, I again, I'm so sorry to hear about what you're going through. Uh, I tell you what, why don't we take a uh, final time out? We'll come back. We've got uh, more emails for you. We've got uh, uh, some news from uh, the near frontier as well. So stick around. There's more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, most of what they say about each other is 100% accurate. All of those criticisms, claims, finger pointing about scandals, things that would make them a bad president, that make them a bad human being, past failure scandals, they're right about. What they're each showing you is the other really should not be president. But that doesn't mean I can vote for the other. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks so much for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host, and we're going to have another edition for you before the Independence Day holiday. Miss E uh, will be with us once again. I, I promise you that. Uh, Brian wrote in, said, uh, Cam, I don't know if this is worth going quote unquote on air with, but in one of my first emails to your show, I mentioned that people rode horses up and down Alondra Boulevard, right past my house in Compton, California. Uh, a very wide street, four lanes of traffic, parking on either side. You seemed intrigued by the idea. Uh, Brian says, I managed to catch a photo of one such urban cowboy, and I thought that you would appreciate it. Uh, I, I did actually appreciate this picture, Brian. This was uh, this was kind of bizarre. I mean, yeah, there you go. It's right there, urban area, big 
busy intersection and there's a guy on a horse uh he says by the way my wife and i both got a good chuckle the only time that uh, we've heard you mention compton on air you were interviewing a gay gun rights activist on nra news uh, and exclaimed amazement that west hollywood had a worse crime situation than compton uh, as you can see in the photo brian says it's not all rap albums and gang shootings compton is full of hard-working good people in bad neighborhoods and if it weren't for the city county and state governments uh, it could be a highly desirable place to live you know that's that that's the thing uh brian is is that every i think every community in this country uh whether you're talking about compton california or camden new jersey i think uh, or or even chicago even the south side of chicago uh every troubled neighborhood every neighborhood that has a high violent crime rate every neighborhood that has uh high levels of you know illegal drug use uh, those bad neighborhoods, I don't care how bad the neighborhood is, there are still more good people than bad living in those neighborhoods. You look at Chicago, for instance, and there was a, uh, a report recently by, uh, I think it was Lois Beckett at The Guardian. Now, I don't think Lois Beckett is a big supporter of the Second Amendment. I'm sure she loves all kinds of gun control ideas. Um, the Guardian is a far left-leaning paper. But in this article about Chicago violence, she pointed out, that police believe uh, that there are less than 7,000 individuals in the city of Chicago who are both responsible for and the victims of most violent crimes in the city. 7,000 people in a city of well over a million, right? Uh, The book Don't Shoot by David Kennedy uh, which I think I've recommended on this podcast before. I know I've talked about it on uh, NRA News Cam and Company. Uh, David Kennedy has been a criminologist going back to the 1990s. Uh, he was one of those who worked on what's referred to as the Boston Miracle, where the number of homicides fell by something like 75% uh, in the city of Boston. And uh, a lot of what David Kennedy writes about is an entirely, I don't want to say it's an entirely new way of combating violent crime, because I, I don't think that it is. But it's a way of combating violent crime uh, without getting bogged down and caught up in these useless gun control laws. Because these gun control laws are aimed at, uh, again, law-abiding Americans, right? These gun control laws, uh, in many cases, are aimed at restricting Uh, what law-abiding legal gun owners can legally do in this country. Can't have a magazine over 10 rounds. Can't have that gun. Can't have this gun. That gun's too expensive. That gun's too cheap. That gun's too powerful. That gun's not powerful enough. Why do you need that gun, right? Instead of going way off track by talking about the guns that are legally owned, let's talk about, again, that much smaller number of individuals who are actually responsible for the violent crime. Uh, David Kennedy said in Boston, what they found was that it was uh, the the worst of the worst offenders, those who are responsible, those who were responsible back in the 90s for, again, a a, a disproportionate, not just a disproportionate amount of violent crime, but for a majority of violent crime being committed in Boston. It was 1% of young men aged 18 to 24. Or maybe it was 18 to 29. But it was 1% of that population, that age population. I mean, again, that's not much, right? We're talking about a few thousand individuals 
And it seems to me, Brian, that it is it makes much more sense that if we're concerned about public safety, and to me that's what the the gun debate ultimately boils down to. It's a it's a public safety debate. So do you want to pass again these laws that they have in place in Chicago, the laws that they have in place in Washington, DC, the laws that they have in place all over California? Do you want to pass those laws nationwide? And, and if you do, you somehow expect that there's going to be different results than what we've seen in Chicago and L.A. and Washington, D.C., that somehow it's going to be different. Somehow it's going to change. Or do you want to take a different approach? Do you want to deal with the individuals who are committing these violent crimes? FBI says that in some urban areas, as much as 80% of violent crime is committed by just 20% of the gang population. Now, the FBI estimates nationwide you got about 1.2 million gang members. So if you're talking about 20% of 1.2 million, what, what, what is that? Less than 250,000 people across the country in a nation of well over 300 million Americans. You're looking at a group of less than 250,000 people who are uh, responsible for much of the violent crime that we see every day. Now, on what planet does it make sense to ignore those 240,000 individuals across the country and instead focus on the, what, 90 million uh, American gun owners or the 13 million concealed carry holders? It, it doesn't make any sense to me, Brian, particularly when we know that focusing on those individuals can be effective. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. You're talking about uh, multi-agency uh, uh, approaches. You're talking about getting you know, the local DA's office to work with the U.S. attorney's office uh, to work with and not sort of work against each other, which, which sometimes happens. You're talking about multi-layers of law enforcement from the uh, street cop to the, the chief of police to the uh, ATF agents there, the FBI agents uh, in your community, and you're talking about the community. And this, unfortunately, I think is where it becomes even more difficult these days because you have to have that community buy-in. And I think we've seen a great deal of damage done uh, to the relationships between the community and law enforcement uh, during the past seven years. I, I think it has become harder in a lot of uh, these cities to, to, to get that sort of buy-in. But when you do, and you need that buy-in by the community to say, okay, we're going we're gonna to target these individuals, and you know who they are, we know who they are, they're the ones that are causing problems on the streets, they're the ones that are uh, causing mayhem and misery, and, and we're going to give them a choice. They can either stop what they're doing, they can stop shooting. And if they do that, they're going to get support. They're going to get help. Now, some communities have even gone so far as to say, we'll, we'll pay you money not to commit a crime. Uh, but at the very least, we're going to make sure that you have the opportunity to do something good with your life. We're not going to give up on you. But if you give up on you, if you decide that this is the, the route that you've chosen and this is the road that you're going to take and you're going to continue to go down this road, well, guess what's going to happen? 
There will be no more plea bargains. There will be no more parole. There will be no more probation. Not just for you, but for every one of your associates. Because we are done with you killing these communities. We're done. That that stops. One way or another, that stops. Either you're going to go behind bars for as long as we can put you behind bars. And every one of your associates is going to go away for as long as we can keep them there. We're going to bust you on probation violations. We're going to, we are going to go out of our way to enforce the law against you. Or you can stop shooting people. And you can turn your life around with our help and with the help of the people who know you, who, who don't want to give up on you. But the choice is yours. I mean, that's a very basic, you know, uh, cocktail napkin version of uh, what these call-ins do. And, and, and by the way, uh, not everybody turns their life around. You know, there are people who do get prosecuted to the full extent of the law. There are gangs that get disrupted. And a lot of people go behind bars for a long period of time because they don't stop shooting. That happens too. But what happens when this is put in place and when it works when everybody's on the same page and you don't get caught up in the professional rivalries or uh, a petty personal bickering, when everybody's on the same page, crime drops. The shooting stops. People can sit outside on their front porches at night. They can let their kids play in the yard. They can go play at a park. It gets better. Uh, But it doesn't happen, again, by going after and directing all of your legislative focus uh, and expecting law enforcement to prioritize actions against those who are legal gun owners, those who aren't committing violent crimes. So, Brian, I do appreciate the picture. I do appreciate the story, and I appreciate you letting me uh, uh, get a chance to uh, give another plug for David Kennedy's book, Don't Shoot, which is if you are a Second Amendment advocate, if you are a... Uh, if you're a Second Amendment advocate, I think you'd get a lot out of the book. But if you are interested, honestly interested, in why violent crime has declined over the past two and a half decades and what we can do to to keep it from declining, uh, I would say this is a, a fantastic book for you. If you are concerned about mass incarceration and you wonder, okay, what can we do to increase public safety without... Uh, throwing millions more Americans behind bars. I'd suggest you read this book. Uh, Don't Shoot by David Kennedy, because there's a uh, a, a wealth of experience that uh, David Kennedy writes about. Uh, he is still very much passionate uh, about uh, uh, these ideas, and he provides a lot of evidence that they work because they target the actual offenders. All right, unfortunately... That's about all the time that we have for you on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. But the good news is we will be back in just a couple of days. And uh, in the meantime, thanks again for being a part of this program. Be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot. And we'll talk to you soon here on another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. 